Thanks for joining us today at Springwell Church, where we want to draw spiritually thirsty people to Jesus by loving God, loving each other, and loving the world. We hope that today's message builds you up, gives you a little insight, and helps you find a brand new perspective. You can find us in Taylor, South Carolina, and online at springwell.org. That's springwell.org. Now let's jump into the message. How y'all doing? How we doing, family? I've never preached with a hoodie on before, so I'm going to try my best not to do this the whole time. If I do this, just make out like I'm doing this, okay? Because it's pretty comfortable. I could put the hood on. That'd be pretty awesome. Then I'd mess my hair up, and then y'all would think um, I didn't prepare. Speaking of, I'm going to talk about being a people pleaser today. So, (laughs) hope y'all are doing... uh, Hope you're doing good. Everybody over the turkey hangover? You're like, the turkey one's gone. No, I'm just kidding. We're glad you're here regardless. Uh, this morning, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk for just a little bit. Uh, if you remember a few months ago, uh, I was supposed to preach and I came down with a COVID. So I wasn't here that particular Sunday. Uh, I think that was in July. Um, so today, I want to kind of preach a little reformed version of that. And the, re- the reason I say reformed is because... Um, I've continued to kind of work on myself in this area. So what I'm going to talk about today is going to be really, really personal. Um, It may be uh, a little raw at times, um, but I just want to speak from the heart about something that that I've struggled with, that God's worked on me with, that I'm working through, and by no means do I have it figured out. Um, But I'm pretty sure that, uh, that you probably struggle with it too. Anybody have anything about your house that you just hate, can't ever get it fixed? Anybody have, anybody have that? Whether it's an appliance, whatever it is, just something that you can't get fixed. At our house in Orangeburg, before we uh, sold it, we had, um, we had been in the house a, a couple of years, and somebody had enclosed this, this room that uh, was the garage at one point, and they had put a chimney on one side of it. And so it was kind of at the end. Our driveway kind of sloped down, and this room and the chimney was at the end of that slope. And so we had been in this house a couple of years, and we woke up one morning after a really heavy rain, and we walk into this room, and literally it's flooded with water. So we, well, Melissa cleans up all of, all of the water, And meanwhile, I have to get together a plan. Being the handyman expert that I am, I bought some Flex Seal. Y'all ever use Flex Seal? You'll probably use it once because the guy on TV is a liar from the pit. It doesn't do jack. You're supposed to be able to fix a hole in a boat. It wouldn't even fix my stinking chimney. Anyway, sorry, I'm a little bitter because it came in a two-pack and I paid extra. And so I got some Flex Seal, and I sprayed it around the bottom, thinking that water had seeped under it and gone in, into this room. And so we, we wait. We see if it fixed it. Sure enough, the next heavy rain, it does it again. At this point, we're putting towels down, trying to soak it up before it gets in there, ruins the floor. So at that time, I noticed there was some crack in the mortar of the brick. Once again, being the expert handyman that I am, I fixed that. The next time it rained heavy, flooded. Finally, had a professional come or said that he was a professional. It was a waste of a couple of hundred dollars is what it really was because he came, did something to the inside of the chimney. It didn't do anything either. Things still leaked. Do you know that when it comes to trying to make people 
happy around us. And when it comes to pleasing people, a lot of times it's trying to like, it's like trying to fix a leak in a chimney. Because what happens is you think you have, you have fixed the problem. You think you have made them happy, or you think you have pleased them, or you think you have finally figured out how to have them good with you. And because they're people, what happens? They change their opinion. And so what in, ends up happening is if, if you're like me and you're really a people pleaser is you have tried to make this person happy one way. You've tried to make this person happy one way. You've tried to make this person happy one way. And then they all change their minds. And so you're stuck trying to fix the leak and wondering all of the time, are they good with me? Like, do they really like me the way they're looking at me like right now? Are, are they really happy with me? And so you're running around, and what ends up happening is it wears you out to try to please people. If we're honest, most of us sitting in this room and those watching online, if you're honest, you spend way too much time worried about what people think about you. Don't you? You spend way too much time trying to make sure that the people that are closest to you, and forget the people closest to you, you try to make everybody like you. You try to put on a certain persona that would make you have the favor of certain people, and you're kind of left in this limbo a lot of times because you're not really, you're not really sure if they like you or not. And I would even bet, even if you're one of those forget you kind of people, y'all know those forget you people? But even if you're one of those kind of forget you, I don't care what anybody thinks kind of people, I bet there's somebody and you may not even know why. You may not even always know if, but I bet there's somebody that you still try to make happy. That you are still orchestrating the course of parts of your life around, even if you're one of those forget you kind of people. I think we just naturally feel this need to please people to make sure that they're good with us, to make sure that we please people. We almost see it as a sense of, of belonging and a sense of, of, of love. And so we try to earn their love by being sure that we measure up to their standard, whatever that is, to make sure they see us in a certain light. And I think some of this is a product of the culture and the time that we're living in. If you're under the age of 40, there, if you think about it, no point in your adult life have you not been able to literally look on your phone or before that the internet of some way and see if people liked you or not. Never in your adult life have you not been able to go and look at where they took those pictures and how you weren't invited and so you needed to change something so that you could be invited next time. We live in a world that is constantly full of comparison and full of what do you think about me. Some of you, before you post a laughing picture and a casual picture on Facebook, take it eight times. You got to get the angle. Ladies, you got to put your hand like this, right? Because it's slimming, because this makes you like you got a little extra extra. This makes you look slimming, right? Why do you do that? Does it really matter if you look skinny in that photo? You do it because you're worried about what other people think, because you're trying to make them happy and get them to see you in a certain light. And for some of us, I think this is a product of the times, but for some of you, it started when you were really, really young. Maybe you were, grew up in a house where you had seen what it looked like when you didn't make them happy. 
<laughs> and you didn't want that to happen again. And so you walked this tightrope and you walked on eggshells because you couldn't disappoint your parents or whoever you lived with because you had felt their wrath in the past. And so now you've carried that with us. Some of you, with you, some of you grew up in a house that was, that was loving, that was a great place to be raised in, but you still live with this constant, are they happy with me? Because you always felt like you had to pay them back because of how good they had been to you. And so what happens is you don't ever lose that. You just transfer it onto friends, onto family, onto coworkers, and you're always concerned, and you think you have to keep them happy because you know what it feels like when you think you've let them down. Sometimes it's subtle. Like not all of us live with the, the, the cognizant thought of I have to make them happy, but I would nearly bet you there's certain times, there's certain life where all of the and at the blink of an eye, you're very concerned about what somebody thinks of you, whether you know them, whether you're close to them or not. Some of you, it's subtle, but for some of us, it's a driving force in your life. Like, this is a serious thing. Every decision you make, there is some sort of what will they think? Will they like me? Do they like me? Are they happy with me? And it is literally the driving force in your life. You say yes to everything because you want to disappoint someone and say no. Some of you are so bad that you even wave everyone through at a four-way stop because you want to please the person beside you, right? Can I just say quit doing that? It confuses everybody. But it, 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 for some of you, it, it, rule, it, it runs the course of your life trying to make sure that everyone likes you. And here's what Here's what I've noticed, and this is why this sermon has changed a little bit from the way it was in July. It's because what I've noticed for me personally, being very vulnerable, is because I have a fear issue. I don't, I don't have a fear issue like some of, some of you think. Like, I don't, I don't fear death. I don't fear the dark. I don't, I don't, I don't fear anybody killing me. I don't, I don't fear anything like that. The things that I fear are insignificant. No one noticing me? Letting God down? I have a, I have a, a fear issue that I'm going to get to the end of my life and have somehow missed what God really wanted me to do and kind of just drift off. I, ha, I, I, have, I have a fear issue. And what it causes me to do is it causes me, because I want to feel significant, because I don't want to feel alone, I have to make sure that you're okay with me because I fear that if you're not, then my fears are going to come true. Regardless of why you find yourself wanting to please other people, I bet you've been there. Here's some signs that you're too afraid of what other people think. Y'all ready? If none of these resonate with you, you can turn it off. You can look at your Instagram the rest of the day, okay? On silent, please. Number one, when a situation comes up where you have to make a decision, you think, what would they think of me more than you think what is the right thing to do? The first thing that goes through your mind when, the situ when a situation comes up where you have to make a decision is what will they think, whoever they is, about me, not what is the right thing to do. What should I do? The second one, you avoid conflict at all costs because you have so much hanging on the fact that, that they like you that you can't have any kind of conflict. So you can't approach anybody. You can't disagree with anybody. And what ends up happening is you get run over and then you get bitter about that, but you have to make sure they're okay with you, so you have to keep that inside. There's such thing as good conflict. 
But if you're a people pleaser, sometimes you avoid conflict at all costs. You change your personality and even your beliefs depending on where you are and who you're around. And so you have all of these different versions of you because you have to be the version of you that the people that you're with actually like and will make them happy. Here's a big one. You take everything personally and you're easily offended. Can I, can I just say this? Being easily offended, I know we live in 2021 where it's cool to be offended. But being, some of you are offended that I'm saying that you're offended right now. And my people please inside doesn't want to say it, but God told me to say it. Being offended is not only living Satan's plan, if you're a believer in Jesus, but it's a terrible way to live. It's a bitter way to live, being offended. But if you're a people pleaser, you're offended by everything because you may have walked by and you heard them talking and they kind of giggled when you walked by and so all of a sudden you're offended that they're laughing at you when it had nothing to do with you, but you're offended because you wanted them to be happy with you and you took it personally. Here's the last one, and this is going to get most of you. You say yes because you always feel guilty when you say no. If you're a people pleaser, you usually say yes because you don't want to disappoint them. Some of you went to four Thanksgivings because of this rule. So if that resonates, listen to me over the next few minutes. This is my subject, free to be me. And here's the one thing I want you to remember. I'm free to be me. Look at the person beside you and say, I'm free to be me. No, seriously, do it. I'm free to be me. Type that in your phone. Type it in the chat if you're watching online. Make it, get, give yourself a reminder. I'm free to be me. I'm going to skip to a couple of different places. All right, it took me a while to get y'all to participate. Now you won't hush. All right. You started it. I'm going to be in a couple of different places in Scripture, but I want to start in the book of Galatians. And I would encourage you, if you've never read the book of Galatians, it's one of my favorite books in the Bible. Maybe take a chapter a day this week. But the book of Galatians is written by a guy named Paul. And if you don't have any church background, Paul um, was a church planner. Jesus got a hold of his heart. He began to start churches. And what he would do is he would go to these cities. He would start a church, and then he would move on to start a church at another city. He would, as he moved on, he would get word what was going on in that church at the previous city. And so he would write letters back. That's how we have a lot of what we call the epistles in Scripture, some of the New Testament. That's why we have it. There are actually letters to churches that Paul had started. And one of those is Galatians. He started the church at Galatia, and Galatians is not pretty Paul. Like, it's not nice Paul. Galatians is pesky, peeved off Paul. And Galatians is, is kind of to the point, but he's gotten word that the church at Galatia has kind of started listening to these people that have come around trying to say that the gospel, the Jesus message that Paul had preached at Galatians wasn't really the Jesus message. They're, the Bible calls them Judaizers. And what they would do is they would say, okay, well, Jesus, Jesus is real, but you still have to obey the law. You have to measure up and have Jesus in order to, to, to really follow him. And so Paul gets word that these Judaizers are going around the church and they're having some success. And they're telling them, listen, you've got to measure up. You've got to follow the law. But they're also directly insulting Paul and saying, Paul 
preached a gospel to you that was easy just so that you would come to his church, just to please you, just to make people happy. And so he took all the law, not because that's what Jesus wanted, but because he wanted you to like him. And so Paul writes Galatians to the church at Galatia to encourage them and to tell them, listen, don't fall for this. So he kind of makes an opening greeting like he often does. And then in Galatians 1.10, this is what it says. Paul says, for am I now trying to persuade people or God, or am I striving to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. Now, one of the overarching themes in the book of Galatians is freedom. Paul is trying to get them to see you have freedom you have freedom from the, the Old Testament law. You have freedom from obeying all of the do's and all of the don'ts. Because of Jesus, he died and rose so that you could follow him and follow him in freedom. There's still this attitude going around the church and around the world that Jesus doesn't give us freedom, but he gives us rules. In fact, some of you this morning, you've never accepted Jesus because you thought it was going to take away your freedom, and you still want to do you and so you haven't accepted him because you think he's going to take all of your freedom. You're, he's going to take all of, of your fun. Or you think you still think like the Judaizers, and you think you've got to get to a certain point so that then Jesus can save you. But no, Jesus came not just so that we could live in eternity with him, but he came to bring freedom now. And there are a lot of Christians, people who call themselves Jesus followers, and you're not living in freedom. You're not living in freedom from having to keep people happy. You're not living in freedom from actually being who God wants you to be, and you are missing your freedom. Can I just remind you that if you're a believer in Jesus, that you are free. You are free to be you. I'm free to be me. You're free from the shame of the past. You're free from the guilt of the past. You're free from the guilt of what you did last night. You're free from the guilt of what you did two years ago. You're free from having to fit inside a certain mold. You're free from all of it because of Jesus. You're free. You don't have to be somebody you're not. You can be you walking with Jesus. Yes, please clap. Jesus came to bring freedom for eternity, but he also came to bring you freedom now. And some of you are living under such constraints of, of who you think you should be and who you've seen around, uh, what believers look like of the people that you know around you. And you're living under such, so many chains that you've never accepted the freedom that Jesus wanted to bring to you. Paul is saying, listen, I'm not trying to please people. You are free. I am free. I'm free to be me. You're free. But when you live with a fear of others, it's going to rob you of your freedom. And a lot of you, if you get down to the nitty-gritty of why you don't feel free, it is the expectations of other people and your expectation to always make them happy. Because it robs you of your freedom because no longer are you able to be you. You have some stuff inside of you. You have some stuff inside of you that God wants to use. And if, if you and I, if we'll just follow him, if we'll listen to him, if we'll just do our best to love him and we'll receive the love and the freedom that he has for us, we're going to be who he wants us to be regardless of we're who they want us to be. When you don't live in freedom, 
when you live in fear of other people, it robs you of your freedom because no longer are you, are you you. You're somebody else. And what happens is you get so confused at who you're supposed to be around who. Some of you, you have no idea who you are anymore because you've tried to manipulate yourself. You've tried to change what you like. You've tried to change what you don't like. You've tried to change the tone of your voice. You've tried to change how excited you get. You've tried to change how late you stay up. You've tried to change how early you wake up. And now you don't even know who you are and you don't have any real relationships because nobody else knows who you really are either. All because you were determined to make them happy and you found yourself trying to please them. Paul says, my first obligation, the first thing I do is I seek to please God and him alone. I refuse, Paul says, to have my message shaped by what anybody thinks about it. Is the life message that you live shaped by what you really believe or by what you want them to see? What would people really say that you are? Would the answer they give be who you really are? Or have they gotten the false impression of who you are? Paul keeps writing. Verse 11, he says, For I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel preached by me is not of human origin. For I did not receive it from a human source, and I was not taught it. But it came by a revelation of Jesus Christ. So Paul now is directly attacking the accusation of these Judaizers, these people who tried to put rules and parameters on the grace of God. And notice that Paul isn't addressing the content of his message. He's addressing where he received his message and the motivation behind it. When it comes to how you're going to interact with other people, it's not necessarily the content of your interaction. It's the motivation behind your interaction with them. Somebody asked me a question after the first service. It was, it was a great question. They said, you know, sometimes I pick up extra shifts at work because I know we're, 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 we're shorthanded, and so I, I don't say no. And I responded to him, and I said, I think, it's a, I think it comes down to a question of your motivation. And usually motivation is multilayered. And so is your motivation to pick up the slack, to be a hard worker, and to love people? Or is your motivation so that everybody will think you're a team player and your boss will tell you you did a good job? It's a matter of, of motivation. And motivation is usually multi-layered. Usually there's a reason behind the reason. What, what motivates you? I'm, I'm not condoning telling everybody no. What I'm saying is, is your, is your motivation right? Paul says, Paul says, Everything that I have is, is not of human origin. The content of my preaching is of Jesus. That's my motivation. What is, your, what is your motivation? It's a matter of motivation. And I still remember, just a side note, I still remember very specifically where I was. And this is, maybe this is for some of somebody here. But I very, remember very specifically where I was when God spoke to me. And it said something like this, Jonathan. You've confused holiness with having everyone like you. In other words, for some reason I had decided that if I was really following Jesus, everyone would like me. Some of you this morning, that's the impression that you have of a Christ follower, is that you make everybody happy, that everybody looks on you with favor, and that everybody loves you. 
Holiness does not mean making everyone around you happy. Being like Jesus does not mean making everyone around you happy. In fact, fear of people is an enemy to devotion to God. Fear of people, I'll say it again, fear of people is an enemy to devotion to God. If you fear men, you will not be devoted to God. Because at some point, those two are going to intersect. What will you choose? Paul says, I know. I know what I do, and I know who I am, because the message that I teach is not from a human. It's from a revelation of Jesus. In other words, Paul makes an identity statement. And for a lot of us that struggle with pleasing people, one of the reasons why we get lost in the journey of trying to please people is because we've lost our identity. And so since we've placed our identity on having someone give us accolades or having someone like us or from painting a picture, a certain picture of ourselves with them, we lose who God's really made us to be. Paul says, listen, I know who I am. If you're a believer in Jesus this morning, can I just tell you that your identity is secure and firm? The Bible says nothing can rip you out of the hands of Jesus. So what they leave, so what they don't like you, so what they don't invite you, so what they don't like your post, so what? Your identity is secure, and it's secure in the hands of Jesus. That is where you build your foundation, and when other people don't like you or they overlook you, you can still stand solid and you can say, I know that my Jesus still loves me. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. The other stuff may move. Their opinions may change. They may walk out of my life, but my identity wasn't in them in the first place. My identity is in the firm foundation of who Jesus says I am. And Christ follower, he says you are a love child. He says you are a royal priesthood. He says you are purposed for great things. He says you are more than a conqueror. He says there's no condemnation for you. Your identity is is secure. And most people, myself included, that struggle with pleasing people, it's because they lose their identity in what other people think of them. When you're adopted into a family, your last name changes, the will gets rewritten, there's no doubt about whose child you are. You, regardless of how you grew up and how you had to keep them happy, once you become a believer in Jesus, you are fully grafted into the family of God. That means the will includes you. That means you have a new name, regardless of what they think or what they say. Your identity is secure. Paul says, what I teach and who I am it came, from, it came from Jesus. Now, I know what some of you are thinking at this point because I would probably be thinking it too. But, Jonathan, doesn't the Bible say something about putting others above yourself? Some of you have gone there, right? Well, you're right. It does in several places, and one of those is in Philippians 2, verse 3. This is the same author as Galatians, Paul. And it almost sounds like, if you just read it for face value, it sounds like, 
he's almost talking out of both sides of his mouth. This is what he says. He says in Philippians 2, 3, he says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, consider others above yourself. So there you have it, right? I have to get them to like me. I have to consider them above myself. I can't say no. That settles it. Well, no. If you do some, do some diving in, into that verse, Paul isn't saying make them happy, let them run all over you. What Paul is really saying is he's speaking to the church at Philippi, and what he's saying is he's saying don't do anything just to cause trouble. Do you ever have those moments where you just want to make somebody mad? I see some, some nods, but I don't see any hand raises because nobody's owning it. Where, like, you just wake up in a bad mood and you just want to make somebody mad, and so you forget that the cashier at Food Lion has a soul. <laughs> what Paul is saying is he's saying, don't do anything just to make people mad. He's saying, don't have a spirit of contention. Don't have a spirit of disunity. In other words, Paul is saying, you can say no, they don't have to like you, but don't be a jerk. That's what he's saying. He's saying, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. In other words, don't do anything looking for a fight. And that's true. You shouldn't. Don't be a jerk just to be a jerk. And if you're a jerk, work on it. But he's not saying we've got to keep everybody happy. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility, consider others better than yourself or above yourself, some translations say. It's a matter of your heart. Where is your heart? Where is your motivation for saying no? Where is your motivation for telling them no? Where is your motivation for not having them have to like you? It's a matter of the heart. Jesus, in Mark 12, verse 30, says this, says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. He's talking about the greatest command. He says the second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Did you catch that? Being a follower of Jesus and living in his freedom is a matter of your devotion. And so Jesus says if you will seek God, if you will draw near to him, and if you'll seek him with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength, if you'll do that, then through that, you'll know how to love other people. You see, in our, in our world, we've gotten it twisted sometimes. And what happens is we try to love other people or we try to please other people before we try to please God. And all that comes from that is bitterness and being very, very tired. Jesus says, it's a matter of the heart. The first thing you do is you seek me with everything in you. You seek to know your identity in Christ even more. And then you can begin to know how to love other people. And even when you say no, and even when they disagree, it'll still be from a place of love. And this is Jesus saying this. Jesus didn't make everybody happy. Have y'all read the Bible? I mean, we picture eight-pound, six-ounce, baby, white, pale Jesus, right, with blonde hair. Some of y'all get the eight-pound, six-ounce reference? Okay. Okay. And so the, but that's, the, that's the Jesus we picture, this blonde, pale, white Jesus who makes everybody happy, who's giving out hugs all the time. That wasn't who Jesus was. Jesus was willing. He was willing to have confrontation. He was willing to make people disagree with him, but he didn't do it from a spirit of contention. He did it from a knowledge of knowing his identity was secure in his Father and then loving his Father first. 
That's where Jesus' love came from, not from trying to make everybody happy. He didn't do it. If Jesus can't do it, what makes you think you can? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, and then love your neighbor as yourself. You've got to do those in order. That's where the freedom is found. You're free to be you as you chase after Jesus. So, if you're struggling with this, let me give you some, some ways to get some freedom. And these are just some things that God has shown me, some things that I've been walking through, and hopefully they'll help you too. If you've got your phone, you can pick it up right now. Nobody's going to look at you funny. Maybe jot these down. The first one is identity. Remember who you are. You've got to remind yourself constantly who you really are. If you're struggling through this people-pleasing thing and you feel like you're in chains because of it, you've got to be reminded of your identity and that your identity doesn't come from them. And the only way that I know to do this is you've got to spend time with God, whatever that is. You've got to pray. You've got to find a devotional plan. We can help you with that if you'll let us know. But you've got to spend time with him because the more that he speaks to you, he speaks to you. Uh, things of identity. He speaks to you things of love. And the more you understand that and the more that you understand who you are in him, the more you'll be able to decide what do I do and who do I make happy. You've got to know your identity. You've got to know you're adopted and fully loved. The second one is boundaries. You've got to set some boundaries. You've got to set some boundaries with your time, with your priorities, with who's most important to you, and with what you'll actually say yes to. See, we hate boundaries in life, but what boundaries do is, is, is they give us guardrails. So if you're struggling with, with people-pleasing, you've got to put some guardrails up so that you'll know when you bump into those. Because let's face it, people-pleasing can, can, can come out of nowhere and can overwhelm you and snowball quickly. But if you have some guardrails in place, some boundaries in place, and you know, I'm only going to be gone one night a week. Or if you have some boundaries in place and you say, you know what, church is going to be a priority for me. My family is going to be a priority for me. Blank is going to be a priority for me for the next six months. If you have those boundaries in place, then you know what you can say no to. And it's going to give you more confidence in saying no. It's going to give you more confidence when people don't like what you just said or how you just looked or what you just did because you've got some boundaries and you've preset them so you're not making decisions in the moment. You've pre-decided. A pre-decision is better than an in-the-moment decision. So you've got to set some boundaries. The next one is investment. No, is no. You've got to learn the value of no. You've got to learn the value of no. And I'm not saying you have to be mean when you say no. You don't have to say no, you moron. I refuse. That's not worth my time. You don't have to say that. But no stands on its own. No is a full sentence. And you can gently and kindly say, no, I'm sorry, I just can't do that. Learn the value of that two-letter word, no. Some of you treat it like a four-letter word. Some of you say more four-letter words than you say that two-letter word. (laughs) No. You've got to learn the value of, of no. And you can be gentle and you can be kind. I once again, don't do it with a spirit of contention, but would be willing to say no. And then investment. Think long term. If you think about it, 
your most important relationships and your most solid relationships are probably the ones that have been going for a long time, not the ones that you made last month. And so what happens is we, we begin to think that every time we say no and every time we displease them, it's going to ruin a relationship. But in relationships, you have to think long term that this one time of me saying no is not going to destroy a relationship. If it does, I don't need that relationship in my life anyway. So you've got to invest in relationships long term. Don't think that the fact that you can't make them happy right now is going to destroy the relationship. The good relationships are the one who've, that, that have lasted for a long time. And you've had some times where you didn't make them happy, where they didn't make you happy, but yet you were still willing to settle your differences and continue in that relationship. You've got to think long term. This right here is not going to destroy the entire relationship. And the people that you really want to be, your, be friends with and the people that you really want good relationships are the ones that are going to be as patient with you as you are with them. And then the last one, and this is a biggie, y'all. Surrender control. Surrender control. This is a newsflash. It's going to set some of y'all free. But you can't control what they think about you. And trying to do so will exhaust you, will make you bitter, will make you confused, will depress you. You can't control what they think about you. And trying to control, this helps me, trying to control what they think about you is actually a form of manipulation, which God says, I don't like it. Surrender. Surrender control. They're people. You can't control how they react, but you can control how solid your identity is in Jesus and how you love people well and how you love yourself well and how you love the people that are closest to you. That's what you can control because they're going to change their minds anyway. So we moved out of the house in Orangeburg to come here. And <laughs> oh, yeah, y'all can give me some of that. I'm just kidding. But we sold uh, the house in Orangeburg to come here. And there was a guy that literally lived the street over who, for some reason, loved me. And I found favor in, with him. And for the next three months, while we waited on the house to sell, he spent nights in that house when he knew it was going to rain, trying to figure out where that leak was coming from. Before we closed on that house, it hadn't leaked in a couple of months. But it required us moving to fix the leak. For some of you, to fix the leak of your people-pleasing, it's going to require you moving. It's going to require you moving towards God. It's going to call, it, you're going to have to actually move some relationships because some of those relationships that you have, have, have or founded on false pretenses. And so you're going to have to move away from those relationships. But you're going to have to move. You're going to have to move from the mindset of thinking that your importance is based on how people react to you. You're going to have to move. You're going to have to move into close walking with Jesus closer. You're going to have to move in how you orchestrate your priorities and what's most important to you. You're going to have to move if you want to fix the leak because you're free. You're free to be you, but you have to move. With every head bowed and every eye closed. 
if you're in the room this morning and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, I want to give you a chance to accept him right now. There's nothing magical about this prayer. It's just a confession of your belief. Just say, Jesus, I've messed up. I've failed. I'm tired of trying to measure up, but I surrender. I surrender to my new identity with you. My life is no longer my own. I believe you died. I believe you rose. Thank you for being Lord of my life, the boss of my life. For everyone else, if this people-pleasing thing is something that you struggle with and you want me to pray for you, would you just ra raise your hand? God, I thank you so much for the boldness to, to raise our hand. God, for the, other, for the people that are struggling as well that just couldn't quite raise their hand. God, I pray, Lord, that they would lean into their identity this week. God, that you would remind them over and over and over and over again that what you say is what matters, that you want them to love other people, that you want them to do the right thing. But at the end of the day, their identity and their happiness can't be staked on it. God, I just pray that a sense of purpose, a sense of okayness with who they are would fall over. God, I thank you for who you are. God, thank you for this amazing church, these people that I love so dearly. God, thank you for being willing to, to wrestle through things with us. Thank you for speaking to us and allowing us to, to change and not, not being mad at us, but gently correcting us. Holy Spirit, thank you for how you've spoken to our hearts. Thank you for the privilege to preach your word. In Jesus' name, amen.